Alright, today's Card to Show conversation is going to be a great one. Welcome back to the program. He is the play-by-play voice of the London Knights. He also hosts a really cool talk show, London Live, 1-3 to 3 on Global News Radio, CFPL 980. And he also has a podcast called Around the OHL. You can find the same uh, podcast on where you listen to the Card to Show. He's Mike Stubbs. Mike, how are you? Welcome back. Excellent. Uh, thanks, Brent. Great to be back. So, obviously, uh, last time we talked was around August. We didn't know... We had, we had some questions. We didn't know how good the Knights were going to be. We didn't know what Mark Hunter was going to do. So, some of those blanks have been filled in. Um, talk to me about Mark's return. What has he brought back to the club? Well, Mark is one of the best identifiers of talent anywhere. And it's why he spent some time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's why he is now back with Hockey Canada. He has the ability to look at a player and seemingly see what he's going to become and find those strengths that this player is going to have. And he's always had that. You can go back to whatever team you want to look at in London Knights history, but he would bring a player aboard. And you would look and say, yeah, I I remember that guy. But you wouldn't realize all of the things that he brought to the team on a day-to-day basis a game-to-game basis, until you had seen him play 10 to 15 times. Mark seems to have the ability to do that seeing a guy once. That's crazy. That's It's amazing. It, it makes me excited. I mean, he's back with the under-20 national program as well. I, my understanding, he's looking after that. Um, that obviously carries over into things like the World Juniors. How much does that mean to Mark taking that, assisting in that program? You know what? To be a part of that program is is an honor, and that's how he looks at it. And it's just an opportunity to help your country try and win a gold medal. And ultimately, when you bring Mark Hunter on to do anything, uh, he's going to do it to be the best at it. And so that bodes well for Canada going forward because he takes that ability to identify players and you team it with everyone else who's already involved in Hockey Canada, the program they have built. It's tough competing on a world stage in the sport of hockey anymore. There are so many good nations, and some, like the United States, are just going to keep getting better and better with the number of people that they have playing the game now. So you need people like that to make this go and to give yourself what Canada seems to feel we should get each and every time there's a hockey competition, a great big gold medal. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. There's even more countries that just keep getting better and better, like you said. Um, obviously, we knew Formington, Bouchard, and Thudy would pr- be pretty solid contributors this year. They go out and they get Kevin Hancock. Talk to me about the effect that he's had on the team. I really, really want to hear the news. This NHL team has signed Kevin Hancock to an NHL contract. I really hope that that is coming because... He's the kind of guy you just root for. When Kevin Hancock was picked up, it was interesting. You would go to Kitchener, and Kitchener would say, oh, you got Kevin Hancock? Man, he's a ranger killer. That guy just scores against us. And then you would go to Guelph, and Guelph fans would say, oh, you guys dealt and you got Kevin Hancock. Oh, he's a Guelph Storm killer. That guy scores more goals against Guelph. And it seems to be that way for everybody. He has the ability to be clutch. And he has the ability to go into places and get the pucks. He's incredibly smart. Off the ice, you can't find a better person. And so he's somebody who's had some looks at NHL 
NHL camps, and I hope that this season that he had, where he got above 50 goals and he got above 100 points and he continued to do all of those other things that he's always done, I hope this gets him a really long look. But as far as what it does for the London Knights, it gives you some real veteran presence. I mean, last year, at this time, the London Knights were dealing with Kevin Hancock playing for Owen Sound. And you know what? He was a London Knights killer. This guy scored big goals, set up big goals, and it was that kind of thing. So to have him playing on the Knights side makes the Knights pretty happy. Are we to believe that Jordan Coy will get most of the work uh, for the playoff run, or do you think Raymakers will be sprinkled in as well? Well, I think it depends how it goes. I mean, the Knights have had a, a two-goalie tandem throughout the year, and even when you go back to 2004-2005, the Knights were using two goalies throughout that year. The first part of the year was Ryan McDonald and Gerald Coleman, and then when it became known that a guy like Adam Dennis, who had already won an OHL championship, had already been to a Memorial Cup, would be available, uh, the Knights went out and, and they got him. But if you think back to that year, when the Knights won the OHL championship, that game, that clinching game, Gerald Coleman was in goal. And then when the Knights won the Memorial Cup, it was Adam Dennis. So they used the two-goalie tandem then. And this goes back to, again, Mark Hunter's philosophy, Dale Hunter's philosophy. You never know what's going to happen, so you try and be as prepared as possible for anything. And if you have one goalie go down and you've got a, a really young rookie who doesn't have a lot of experience and you have to put him into a situation... Sometimes it's difficult for a guy like that to be able to handle that situation. If you've got two guys that you can rely on, you're in really good shape, and that's what the Knights have. The Knights uh, kind of had a bit of a, I don't want to call it a, a cold streak there, but, you know, they lost a few games, and I'm sure you got some people chiming into you saying, you know, what's wrong with the London Knights? And, you know, give them their thoughts on what needs to happen. What do you say to those people? <laughs> that's, that's really interesting because, yeah, anybody around the organization – tends to get that and it just goes to the success that this team has had and it doesn't so much happen when a team has lost six in a row because you just don't see that in London and normally that's what tends to spark a conversation in some other markets but here it's when the Knights lose back-to-back -back games people say what's going on what's happening and I don't know there's there's a roller coaster in sports and it can be fun to ride the roller coaster and live and die with each and every win and loss but even the players don't do that. The coaches don't do that. So if they lose two in a row, they're not looking and saying, what's, what's going on? No, well, lost two in a row. Grant Fuhr was one of the best for this and helped out so many goalies. If you talk with any goalie who ever was in a tandem with Grant Fuhr, he will look and say that Grant gave him so much in the way of being able to handle the day-to-day and it was just watching his approach. You never get too high, you never get too low. Because Grant Fuhr was the guy who, when the Edmonton Oilers would go flying up the ice on a three-on-one, we, we always remember the goals that they scored. You don't always remember that if they turned the puck over at the blue line, it was coming back in a two-on-one the other way, maybe a breakaway the other way, and Fuhr was the guy who had to deal with that. So he couldn't ride that roller coaster. And I think anymore, because of the 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week coverage of sports, you get people doing that, and, and every little second is magnified, and all the highlights are shown, and you think, oh, this is terrible, this is going all wrong. No, just, just give it some time. For the Knights, I think you've got to look back at three games this year. Instead of the season and, and you know what may have happened on a Thursday night in February, 
you've got to look back at three games, and three games for a reason. There was a game against the Ottawa 67s. There was an awful lot of hype. It was a nationally televised game. It was in the middle of the year, and the Knights were number one in the West, and Ottawa was number one in the East. And you look at the game that the Knights played, it was as complete a game as they played all season. And they won it. And then you look at a game against Guelph, where, again, this was a big test. The Guelph Storm were a team that had added a whole bunch of people and made themselves into a, a big juggernaut, and they were one of those teams to be reckoned with. How would the London Knights deal with them? The Knights played a complete game, and they won that game 6-1. Now, they lost to Guelph a couple of times after that, but, but that night, that just that had the fixation on it, and they rose up. And then... On the final night of their regular season, they were in Saginaw. And it was as simple as win this game in regulation and you finish first in the West, lose this game, and you don't. And they, again, rose up, played a complete game. So if you're seeing the ability of a team to do that, then that team's got a chance on any night. There are going to be nights. You know, there, there are times when, and Brian Burke has talked about this before, and he's been around hockey in just about any capacity. And he'll look and say, seasons are long. So in the NHL, for 82 games, how many times are you going to get a complete effort out of your team? I don't know, 70? Uh, maybe a little bit less than 70? That means there are going to be some clunkers in there, as he has referred to them. And there are. No team has ever gone 68-0 and in the OHL. No team has ever and will ever go 82-0 and in the NHL. So watch out for the roller coaster. It can be fun to ride it because highs and lows, yeah, that's, that's great. That's part of being a fan. But don't get caught up in things. Look for trends. Look for, look for the important things. And, and that's what you focus on. Well said, definitely. Um, obviously, the bottom half of the West is kind of like the NBA a little bit. You got some teams that are coming into the playoffs with the under 500 regular season. Uh, Windsor, for sure, I don't know if they expected to make it. Obviously, they traded Di Pietro. Um, surely not expecting to be in the playoffs. What do they have to do to make this playoff series a series? Well, as much as they don't have Michael Di Pietro, and as much as maybe they don't have as much experience, they have some really good skill. This team, when you watch this team play, you think, wow, when these guys are 18, 19 years old, look out, they've got some really good players on that roster. So they go in, as many OHL teams do, saying, hey, number one, we'd love to win this series, love to find a way, love to have a goalie steal a couple of games, get a couple bounces going their way, put some doubt into the minds of the opposition. But above all, what do they want to do? They want to get experience for their younger players like Jean-Luc Foudie, who is an absolute treat to watch, and Will Cooley, who is going to be as deadly a sniper in the OHL as we've seen in a while. They want to get those guys experience. They want to show those guys, okay, this is the level. When we talked about Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers. Wayne Gretzky would always look at a hockey season and say, it's actually four seasons, and you could almost tack on another one in the Ontario Hockey League. Gretzky would look and say, there's the preseason, there's the regular season, there's the first three rounds of the playoffs, and then there is the championship series. And in junior hockey, you've got the Memorial Cup on top of that. And each one requires you to be that much better. So now these guys, instead of playing in the regular season, you know, calling it a day and not making the playoffs, they get an opportunity to see the level. And it was there in, in game number one right off the bat for them. And, you know, Windsor adjusted well. They played their best part of, the game, the, of game one after the first 50 minutes. So the last 10 minutes of the third period, they were starting to figure some things out. And that's a positive sign for them. 
they're not supposed to win this series, but when they gain valuable experience like that, when they're back in the playoffs next year, and more importantly for them, the year after that, they're going to be scary. We heard um, this week that the Toronto Blue Jays were uh, raising minor league player salaries, I think, by 50%. Do you see the owners uh, getting out their checkbook to make sure travel is taken care of? Uh, during the playoffs, obviously, you look at some of the matchups, there's quite a distance to go on a bus. Do you see the owners uh, getting out their checkbook for that? As far as? As far as comfort, as far as eating right, um, accommodations. Well, I think they like already that. do. Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at a lot of teams will come in the day before. You will look at a lot of teams that even for a series that might be a couple of hours apart, you're staying in a hotel that night before. Sarnia and Saginaw did that. Sarnia went to Saginaw the night before their series opened. Those two cities are not very far apart. The nights in series in in the past have, have gone in and, and have stayed. When the Knights and the Ice Dogs last met in the OHL Championship Series, St. Catharines is not far away from London, but the Knights stayed. So, yeah, no, you, you do see that. There's, there's a lot of attention paid to that because it is – it is so competitive, and you want to make sure and give your team every single advantage. Some teams will actually say, you know what, and, and a lot of times the players will have some input in this. How do you guys feel better? Do you like to get off the bus and have an hour and a half before the game? Do you like to get off the bus and have two hours before the game? Do you like to come from a hotel the day of the game? Um, it it kind of depends, and if you find that winning formula, because that's what it's all about, that's the one you're going to stick to. Here's one for interpretation. Why isn't Dale Hunter in the Hall of Fame? Oh, uh, I could give you so many reasons why he should be. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's the same as, as so many other players where you can look at, at, you know, whatever you feel the criteria are, but it's until those committee members get into that room and actually do the talking. And maybe one day he will be because committee members go into the room and say, you know what, we have – you know, looked at, at this and this and this, and we feel that these players now are being overlooked for what it is they've contributed. I think, you know, if if we're to get to a point, I think that could happen for Dale Hunter, because you're not just looking at his body of work as a player, and that body of work is pretty impressive. He found ways for his team to win, no matter what it took. And I think when you add in what he's done behind the bench, both in a short stint in the National Hockey League, what he's done certainly in junior hockey, I think one day that call is coming from him because this is the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the Hockey Players Hall of Fame. It's not the Hockey Coaches Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. And when we're able to evaluate his body of work as an entirety, I think he's there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. It's one of those interesting things. and. I worry that's almost becoming, you know, Pat Burns-like, you know, when everybody was talking about Pat Burns not getting into the Hall of Fame, and then he was in after, unfortunately, he was long gone. How are you feeling about London Live so far? You're doing a great job on the program. I really enjoy listening to it. Um, you know, uh, I work in my day job at 3 o'clock, so I get to listen now every day on my drive to work. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling a lot better now. <laughs> that kind of feedback, that makes your day. Uh, because, you know, if I'm to list off what I feel my strengths are, I, I've sat in front of a lot of, of different managers and bosses, and, uh, and I've done a lot of talk radio in my time, but I would always sit there and I would 
I would say, you know, I can do a lot of things in this business. I'm going to work to do each and every one of them as well as I possibly can. I always feel one of the weakest things that I do is host a talk show. Um, you know, I, and I don't know where that comes from. I'm, I'm not the guy who's the life of the party. You know, when, uh, when I'm at, you know, a big gathering of a bunch of people, I'm not the guy cracking jokes. You know, I'm, I'm not the guy leading the stories and things like that. Um, so, and I always feel that that always makes a, a good talk show host. I'm also not somebody who has ingrained opinions. So I don't wake up in the morning and say, these are my beliefs and nobody's changing them throughout the day. I might find out something five minutes after I jump out of bed and think, oh, well, that changes my perspective on things. And, and I don't know whether that works for talk radio. So I just try and make it entertaining. I just try and open it up and, and use it as the vehicle that it is. Because I think I did more learning in an 18-hour span in August of 2003 about talk radio and about radio itself than I've done you know, anywhere else at any time. And that was when the power went out along the East Coast and we had a blackout. And radio became what it actually can be. You know, when, when the power goes out and you don't have your phone to rely on, and we rely on them a lot more now than we did in 2003, and you don't have TV, and you don't really have anything, you still have radio. And we would have people calling up saying, I need ice. Uh, anybody know where we can get ice? Um, I'm out of gas. Uh, one, of the, one of the wildest calls that we had in 2003, and I'm not sure, did I, I didn't tell this story last time I was on the podcast. No, no, no. Okay, well, we, we had, we were basically just fielding calls, and people were, were saying, hey, this, that, can you help? I had a, a woman call in, and she said, I have an aunt who is in her 80s, and she lives in London, and she kind of gave the rough address of the apartment building that she lived in, and she said, I haven't been able to reach her. And I live across the city, and I don't have gas for my car. I can't get to her. I haven't been able to find I'm just wondering if she's okay, and it's been very difficult. And she kind of told her story. And so we didn't really know what we could do for her. I mean, everybody was uh, was kind of wrapped up in, in whatever they were doing. It was not like you could call the police and say, hey, do you mind zipping over? They were kind of busy. And so we, we took a few more calls about where to get ice and, you know, may have done an interview about what was happening and, and where there was a cooling shelter and things like that. And then all of a sudden we get a call and this woman says, hey, um, I've been listening for a while and uh, I live in the building that a woman was, uh, was you know, uh, talking about. Um, can she call back? Because if, if she can tell me what apartment her aunt lives in, um, I can I can go and see if she's okay. And so, sure enough, the woman was still listening. She called back, and over the radio, they exchanged the apartment number. And she said, "Okay, let me let me go check." And so we we kind of talked with the other woman for a little while, and you know, about three four minutes later, the woman comes back. She said, "Yeah, I went upstairs and I knocked on her door. She's doing fine. She was wondering about this and that and." And there you go. And that was the power of radio right there. So yeah. I just try and use it as a vehicle, whether it's to talk about a major topic, whether it's to talk with someone who's working to change the world, whatever it is. And uh, and it is fun. And so you saying that you're enjoying it, that's all I need. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Have a great call today. Uh, Knights in Windsor at the Bud, 2 o'clock. You can listen on Global News Radio, AM 980, and check out London Live, 1 to 3, Monday to Friday. Mike Stubbs, thank you very much. Thanks, Brent. All right, coming up, the review.